Hi there, it's Nick here. Thanks so much for your continued support of the Nick Luck Daily Podcast. Wherever you consume your podcast, it is great to have you with us. I would alert you again to the racing app which is your one-stop shop and the easiest place now to download the show each and every morning as soon as it's ready. Many of you are doing so already, and that's not just because you can get access to all 880 episodes of this show and very easily as well, but you can also watch live races. You can watch all the replays and you can stream in the card with an active Fitstairs account. So do download it now, uh, the racing app. It's your one-stop shop and you will be able to catch up on all the previous episodes of your favourite daily racing podcast. You're listening to Nick Luck Daily. This edition is brought to you by Fitzdares, by the Racehorse Owners Association, and by Thoroughbred Racing Commentary's Global Rankings. Hi all, welcome to Nick Luck Daily. It is Wednesday the 6th of December. Nick Luck is Hong Kong bound. Well, I think he's landed actually in, in Hong Kong. So Tom Stanley standing in for him. And uh, Charlotte will be with you tomorrow. And then I think we're all going to give it a, a whirl on Friday between the lot of us. There'll be plenty of uh, focus on Hong Kong, plenty of focus internationally throughout the rest of the week, as you've come to expect on the Nick Luck Daily, but also domestically We've got some excellent racing this weekend. I think we're, we're going to be fine surviving any freeze that's coming. Although, um, that said, today we have already lost Haydock. Ludlow survived its inspections. Their inspections over the next couple of days. But I think by the time we get to Sandown this weekend, we should be absolutely fine. It looked cold at Tattersall's for the December mayor's sale, day two of the Scepter sessions. But I think plenty were warmed up by the amount of money spent. One of those people, he wasn't there, but Rishi Passad would have been watching on to see what Rogue mm. Millennium made. What a result that is. Oh, a terrific result uh, for the Rogues, Tom. Um, Tom Clover, uh, an amazing purchase from uh, Billy Jackson Stops originally and everybody who's been involved with uh, Rogue Millennium. But it was an incredible day. Um, I think a total of, what was it, 38 lots in the second part of the Scepter session uh, realized a total of 34.1 million uh it's an incredible amount of money <clears throat> that was spent at the scepter sale rogue millennium i think one of 10 lots to make over a million uh tiona topped the session uh 4.5 million obviously she was a group one winner for, for roger varian she's involved to frankel her dam was a group one winner so you can understand <clears throat> why she was so valuable and she was sold to judmont um and then there were some other extraordinary prices going for the likes of Via Sestina, uh, who sold for 2.7 million. I mean, she cost just 5,000 when she went through the ring at the Tattersall December yearling sale. That, that's, uh, that's one of those. That's one of those. If we could do that, it, well, this time next year, Rodders will be millionaires. I mean, that's just, it's just it, that, that those, those sorts of, um, you know, yeah. next to Rich's stories are, are almost unheard of, but when they come along, they're, they're, they're very welcomed. Well, these are, these are the examples of why racing can be a sport for, for more than just the elite. Mentioned, obviously, Via Sestina, who cost 5000 when she went through the ring. Uh, Cachet, 60000 uh, Obviously, her shares at Highclere, I think there were 6500 per share. Um, but she was sold for a, a, a large figure as well. Um, 
Rogue Millennium. She was uh, bought for thirty-five thousand <clears throat> two years ago at the, at the at the sales in December, and now sold for one point six five million. And to buy a share in Rogue Millennium, there were it cost a thousand pounds. You know, so you could I think were forty shares in her in total. So it, it's a it was a tremendous success story. But it's a, a tremendous success story that suggests, you know, like Via Sestina, like Rogue Millennium, and even Cachet, that it is accessible to more than just the elite that we obviously laud and celebrate on a regular basis. Um, but obviously, the elite still dominate. Um, that may not change for a very long time, but it at least gives other people who work on a very, very limited budget um, hope that they could also have big paydays and enjoy uh, an amazing journey, you know, obviously like with the Rogues and, and Rogue Millennium. Well, as I've said, with a, a few meetings succumbing to the weather, we should really get a, a conditions update re-sandown with Clark of the Course, Andrew Cooper, who joins me now. Andrew, welcome. Thank you for your time. Any any concerns of, about this weekend, or should you be absolutely fine? I, I think we'll be fine, Tom, but it, but it's, you know, at the end of the day, it is December. Um, the weather The weather is remaining volatile, particularly in in terms of rainfall timing and amounts we've got to come over these next sort of 72 hours. So, you know, I don't think you could you could consider it absolutely guaranteed because, you know, you wouldn't want just the wrong sort of volume of rain at just the wrong time. But from, what, from how we are in ground terms at the moment with what we're expecting, I think we'll be OK on both days. And so chief of your of your concern is is rainfall as opposed to cold, is it? Yeah, it doesn't look like frost is, is going to play any factor at all here now. Uh, you know, weather conditions uh, mild from today. Today, Wednesday, there was a touch of grass frost here this morning. Um, obviously, we've come out of a, a sort of dry, frosty spell, which took us to Monday. We had rain Sunday night overnight into Monday, which was the first rain for a little while. Um, so... Yeah, no question of frost. It's just just got to keep an eye on the sort of timings and volumes of, of rain coming this way, as I say, between now and Saturday. And just to give you a bit more detail on that, what we're, we're currently thinking is that today, Wednesday, will remain a cold, basically dry day. Tomorrow, Thursday, there'll be a band of rain coming across the country as a whole. I think places to the west of us will probably see more rain out of that than we will. But even so, I think particularly probably by the time we get to tomorrow afternoon into the evening, we're looking at a spell of rain that could generate the most forecasts we are looking at are in the sort of up to 10 millimetres sort mm. of territory of rain, something like that. Uh, and then Friday, predominantly dry, but always with a bit of a risk of a shower. And then rain coming in again, another front coming from the west on Saturday at the moment timing wise looking to probably be sort of late morning lunchtime ish uh, and into the early afternoon so in a sense not ideal but you know that may get delayed who knows but, the, but so we're basically looking i think at two sort of rainfall spells of any magnitude thursday sort of afternoon and saturday probably late morning into the early afternoon and saturday's volume at the moment looks similar similar to thursday so again maybe a sort of five to ten millimeter spell of rain so so you know a fair, a fair bit of rain around but not sort of volumes that i don't hear and now think in in jumping terms we wouldn't cope with 
Fine. And and with the nature of sand and being that it tends to get a bit easier on the hurdles course, would you? Uh, uh, we we have the possibility of a testing ground fighting fifth, right? I think we do. I think we do. I mean, it would be test. It would be testing in a way at, at the moment. You know, it's still it's ground to the hurdle track here, which. Again, for those of you who aren't familiar with it, the reason it's always softer than the chase, or invariably softer than the chase, is it is a watered flat circuit in the summer. So, you know, any winter rain is on top of a, it's it's summer treatment. So it's always going to be softer than the relatively unwatered chase track during the summer. Uh, the, the hurdle course, I would say, is, as we speak, very much soft in the main. It's the sort of ground probably you could just about just call soft, but it has got... Uh, probably about 10% of it is in what I'd call the sort of soft verging on sort of heavy territory. It's all very grassy. We only had one day's racing here this year, so it's very fresh ground. It's not, it's a sort of wet soft as opposed to a sort of deep winter, you know, sort of um, chewed up, head verging on heavy. Yeah. Um, but it is, it's, it's clearly, it's clearly soft ground with that sort of rain still to come on it. Um, the chase course here at the moment is, is very much sort of soft on the stand side of the circuit. But really, if you walk the back straight here in isolation, there's virtually nothing on the back straight. I, I'm walking thinking he's any slower than good to soft as we speak. So, uh, you know, we're predominantly soft with sort of slightly easier ground over hurdles and, and better ground in places over over fences as we speak. And I'm sure you, you, you're delighted with the fighting fifth uh, moving to, to Sandown. How does that sort of come about once you know a, a grade one is lost? Um, sort of who moves first? The... The, the 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 BHA or the or, or the track that could possibly host it. How does that how does that happen? Uh, yeah, it, it it is more like that. People think that the sort of course that's lost it plays perhaps a bigger part than the reality they they do in these circumstances. I mean, I th- I feel sorry for Louise and the team up at Newcastle. I mean, nobody lose, likes losing any days racing, and I'm sure they're absolutely you know sort of gutted to have lost such a good day with such good races lined up. So, you know, sort of sympathy with them. We've been in this situation before ourselves. You know, once there's the... You know that in BHA sort of race planning terms, a almost any any grade or group race will be considered for rescheduling, um, and certainly something at, grade, at group or grade one level. And so, yes, you, you have to sort of I wouldn't say you throw your hat into the ring because because it isn't quite like that. But there's, there's discussions or awareness that we could we think we could accommodate the race start start pretty soon. And increasingly, actually, I think. But are happening earlier than maybe they did uh, in time scale terms. In times of oh, you yours historically you probably would the race would have to be abandoned and then you'd go through a process of trying to slot in. Nowadays we seem to they, they seem to like to get ahead of the game a little bit. So you know there were some, some some discussions kicking around on Friday morning really prior to Newcastle actually having to abandon. Mm. So we so which meant an announcement could be made that much swifter on Tuesday on Friday afternoon as to a replacement. But um, yeah, no, it's there's a lot of sort of phone calls, texts, emails, WhatsApps fly around in that period involving the interested race courses, uh, um, the BHA race planning team and the sort of levy board team as well. So, uh, yeah, sort of a bit, always a busy spell, but it's clearly the right right principle to try and try and achieve this whenever we can. Yeah, absolutely. Let's let's hope um, let's hope we do see Constitution Hill. Thanks, Tom. Right this weekend. Uh, six races at, at, at Sandown are, are the highlight on Friday, uh, including a, a couple of grade twos. And then 
I mean, we've had a bit of willy wonty with regard to, to Constitution Hill on, on Saturday. But what a card that is now enhanced, of course, by the fighting fifth going there, being run at, at 115. So you've got eight on the card. Um, the, the first of the grade ones is that 115. Then you've got the bet for Henry VIII novices. Chase before the Tingle Creek. That's at, mm. at three o'clock. So three grade ones. First of all, uh, at this stage now, it does look as though Constitution Hill is going to run. Nikki Henderson suggested on the podcast on Monday that that was still very much the plan and it still seems the most likely option. Uh, yes. My, my first point about the Fighting Fifth, and I think it's worth mentioning, is that I still find it extraordinary that they've moved it to Sandan. Um, when you consider the configuration of where it was due to run, first of all, due to be run at Newcastle last weekend, uh, the configuration of Sandown in comparison to a track like, say, Weatherby or Aintree, um, it would have fitted in better for the race that it originally is had it been run elsewhere. But I understand that it's already been moved. There's nothing that can be done, done about it now. Um, it probably makes life easier for for a lot of people with horses in the race, Yes. But is it fair that it's been moved to a track that's so different from Newcastle? That's my question. Mark. However, if it attracts Constitution Hill, great. But you know, he was making the journey up to Newcastle last weekend. The, the, the Henderson-Buckley combination, we're happy to run him there. So maybe, I don't know, maybe they felt he couldn't do two long journeys in, in one week. I don't know. Um, but yes, it appears yesterday he was at one point, I think he was, um, when I looked, he was 8 to 15 um, to run, or well, to to you could back him at eight to 15. I think some people said he might've been evens in the place. Um, cause it seemed so doubtful that he was going to take, pl- take part in the race, but now he's, he's back to a ridiculously short price, uh, as his ability warrants. Um, I hope he does turn up. If he does, uh, it'd be great to see him. Um, I don't expect him to have too much of a test against the horses that are, are lining up against him. He's, you know, the closest to him in the ratings is, is Shishkin, um, who's 12 pounds behind him and he may not even start. Even if he does, even if they do intend to run him, he may not even start. So, um, just on that, can you imagine if Shishkin was able to to give Constitution Hill something to think about? Shishkin, bless him, who who seems to think about more than than most of us before, during, and after a race. Who seems to be wanting further? Um, and they, I know they've tried headgear and they, they've whipped it off, but. I mean, there's no way on earth that horse possesses anything like the required speed, surely, to to even threaten a Constitution Hill. Is there? No, I I don't I don't think so because I don't think anything can beat Constitution Hill. The only point I'd make about Shishkin, Tom, and I'm not the only one to say. It, Richard Hoyle's had this conversation with me yesterday and over the weekend. He was a very short price favourite for the Tingle Creek twelve months ago. Um, obviously he got beaten that day. Um, remember he got kicked down at the start as well before the, uh, his, his defeat to Edwardstone, but he was six to five favorite on that and that, on that occasion. Um, and obviously, uh, he could go back. He could have gone back for the Tingle Creek. You could have supplemented him for the Tingle Creek. Um, and obviously kept him over fences and constitution Hill on his own over hurdles. But Fair enough. Go for the fighting fifth. I think it's all about, and and and, and Nikki has alluded to this both on Monday and 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 really throughout the the build up to the rehearsal chases. It, it's all about giving Shishkin a run before the King George, and mm. I think he thinks you know over, over a, a top level race over fences this close. If it was a Tinker Creek, would just be too much to ask. 
um, and and Constitution Hill doesn't necessarily need to run. So if they run against each other, great, make it all more exciting. Well, therefore, my thinking about Shushkin is that you know he, he you cannot back him in the race for a whole ho- multitude of reasons. Primarily, the fact that he may or may not start, and also it is exactly what you said. You know, Nicky Henderson made no secret of the fact that he needs a prep run before he goes to the King George, and that's exactly what this is. So it's not as if he's going to be given a hard time to try and bustle up his stable companion, who's rated twelve pounds higher than him over hurdles and might be one of the greatest horses we've ever seen. Um, so um, I think it's the, the only other point about it being at Sandown is, in a positive light is for the likes of, you know, uh, Harry Fry and his team with Love Envoy. He's got such a great record there. And originally, I, you know, you wear it well, you would consider, I would have considered you wear it well up at Newcastle as a, a potential uh, horse to finish closest to Constitution Hill. Now at Sandown, I'd suggest that it would probably be Love Envoy. Well, we spoke to Nicky Anderson on Monday and, um, you know, we thought, leave it a couple of days and then speak to the owner, Michael Buckley. So here he is. Um, Michael, how, uh, as things stand, it seems like, so we are, what are we, Wednesday mid-morning. I mean, it seems like the intention at this stage is to run Constitution Hill in the Fighting Fifth. Uh, I think that's uh, correct. Um, all these ums, 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 will we run, won't we? Uh, <laughs> and Nicky's always been... Uh, well, <clears throat> since Newcastle was off, he's been concerned about the short distance between the races um, and short time, time slot, really, of a couple of weeks. Um, he's he's had horses in the past who've run well the first time, but then when you think they'll be fine a couple of weeks later, haven't run so well. Um, of course... My counter to that is always that this isn't an, this isn't just a horse. <laughs> but anyway, I'm sure they all have the same issues. Mm. Um, but anyway, he seems fine, and his only concern of late has been um, how, how heavy the ground might be. The forecast was terrible. It's actually here in London a beautiful sunny day today. Forecast to be dry all day. And I think the forecast for the next three days is better than it was yesterday or the day before yesterday i mean it, it seems like hearing this from you and hearing from from nikki in the, the last couple of days that certainly the the intention would be to, to declare and then you know keep everything crossed that actually more rain than forecast doesn't materialize well but... if we declare we intend to run i mean it's not uh, um but if it's bucketed down with rain all th- thursday night and all day friday and and suddenly he might just think, I don't want to take the edge off him before the Christmas hurdle. Mm. Um, and uh, so, but the intention, I think, is, I think it's fair to say the intention is to run. It just the, on speaking to you in the time that you, you've had this horse and hearing from you, I, I sort of get the, the sense that you in particular do, you're aware of, the horse obviously and what he means to the sport and do, do you sort of feel that weight of pressure to run him if if you see what i mean if this was another horse it would be much it'd just be easier wouldn't it well um <laughs> it's an extraordinary thing he he started his life with me anyway in terms of running um two years ago on saturday and uh i had no much no expectations because I'd heard that how little he'd shown Nicky early on. 
and um, and then he went back to Sandown, and and it's gone on from there. And then there was this um, extraordinary performance in the Supreme, which was so extraordinary. I mean, to win by so far and in that time. And according to Cheltenham, it was good ground and it wasn't quick ground. And I don't know that he'd love quick ground. So, um, and then we arrive at last year. Sorry, this is a bit long-winded. But then we arrive at last year and you kind of wonder if it was all a dream. And it's really only this season, I think, talking to people you know, through the summertime and then one or two people this year, they sort of got used to the idea of him being what he, what he is. I mean, he's... Yeah, I feel some some sort of pressure about the fact that I meet people in the street in London who I don't know who they are. They seem to know me from newspaper picture or TV and say, I love your horse and good luck and all this sort of thing. So, yeah, I'm aware of, of what he means to people. Um, and I'm sort of getting uh, rather proud of it rather than feeling slightly embarrassed almost about it because it's not it's unusual to have a horse like this i think what people don't understand or don't fully appreciate or don't take into account often uh nikki above everybody uh really is i mean he's older at the game he's been longer at the game that he's and i suppose care of horses and facilities and training methods and all these other things have improved over his time training horses. But people get, a lot of people seem to get irritated by his attitude or upset by it or they, they feel he has an obligation to run horses. But his, he's driven entirely by doing what he thinks is best for the horse and for its longevity and actually, if you look back over his time, when when everybody was buying horses from France, pretty much all, there was a time when every every horse came from France. The point to point business had sort of gone out of fashion briefly, and French horses, many of them came and they were spectacular for a very short time, and he got longevity from his. And I don't think, so, you know, like when he pulled Constitution Hill out of Ascot last year, you know, oh, God, it's pathetic and all this stuff. Why, why, why is it pathetic that he doesn't want to run his horse on firm ground? I get very uh, upset about the criticisms that he has to put up with um, when he's doing what he thinks is the right thing. Because I can tell you, if you do the wrong thing on ground like that, and then you get a phone call saying it's got a tendon issue, it's no fun. And um, so, that's what he's doing. So he's, try, he's naturally a, a bit cautious if he thinks there's any problems and he doesn't want to bottom the horse out. I mean, even if he was to win on Saturday but and had a, have a very hard race and another one in a couple of weeks... You know, it's not an ideal way to start the year. So he's just—he's just trying to actually have the horse in the best shape for the longest period of time this season, hopefully other seasons, so that we can all enjoy him as much as we can for as long as we can. And what about the Henry the Eighth, uh, JPR One, uh, Colonel Harry? A possibility at this stage, I see. O. 
I guess we're no disrespect to them. We are lacking uh, what we've had in the past, sort of an out and out or potential superstar coming into the race. John Bond, for example, went up at two to eleven last year. Um, yeah. But it looks competitive. Yeah, and I like Colonel Harry, who you mentioned, representing uh, the Inform team of Jamie Snowden and, and Gavin Sheehan. Um, I liked how he ran first time of offences at Chepstow. Um, I think a lot of people will mention how the second was ridden that day, but I think Colonel Harry was going to be uh, a comfortable winner anyway. He did beat Uncle Bert at Sandown over hurdles. Um, he ended up running in the Tolworth behind Tamuras last season. I, I don't think he showed his best on that occasion, but he, he's a promising young horse. Um, and he was a good second at Kelso behind the Mean Lion. His form is strong as a novice hurdler. And that was a smart first-time effort um, over fences. The other thing as well is that he has made the running before, but he didn't make the running on that occasion. And it was an educational run over fences, which if you watch the race again at Chepstow, he got better and better as the race went on. Now, I think a lot of people will be supporting JPR1, obviously, after that lucky unseat at uh, Cheltenham. The only thing I'd say about that is that he had a pretty easy lead from the start. You know, Brendan Powell was able to dictate things out in front. And yes, he's a very smart young horse or very smart potential novice chaser. But I don't think that there's as much of a disparity between the ability of JPR1 and Colonel Harry as the market might suggest at this stage. And I'd rather be with Colonel Harry. And the Tingle Creek itself, uh, John Bond could go for a similar price to that, which he went off in the, the novice version last year. Unbeatable? Yeah, I think so. I thought he was brilliant at Cheltenham uh, in the Schler. I thought he, he just responded really well to a positive ride. Um, I thought Edward Stone ran all right, um, and John Bond thumped him. Um, I think some people are questioning Edward Stone's enthusiasm, etc. But I, I, I think he ran a fine race. Um, so I think beating Edward Stone by nearly 10 lengths first time up suggested that we've got a, an improved John Bond this season. Um, I'd love to see him continue unbeaten until he meets El Fabiolo. I think he could beat El Fabiolo. I think he will beat El Fabiolo if the John Bond who won first time up at Cheltenham remains the John Bond that turns up for all his runs this season. But I will be keeping a close eye on Haddix Desobo. He looked a potential star last season when he won at Warwick and he was due to run against John Bond, I think, in, um, in the Kingmaker at Warwick back in February, but he got injured, uh, Haddix Zobo. And he came back and he ran in that handicap at Cheltenham and I thought he was going really well, probably hassled for the lead a bit by dancing on my own. First run after a long layoff. I thought he was jumping well, touch wood up until that point. Um I, he's the most gorgeous individual. So I'm hoping if you look at him, he's a big, strong horse. I think that run would have brought him on. I think he might finish second to John Bond, um, but I think he might be even better than where he is currently. And I, I think there might be a bright future for Haddix Desobo, regardless of the result on Saturday. Well, the Moors have a, an intended runner, I believe, in all three of the, the grade ones. But we will start with Alex Desobo, um, Josh Moore, because um, Rishi's given the, the horse a, a positive mention. Um, how is he after the fall, first of all? Obviously fine. Uh, yeah, he, he seems fine in his work at home. He's He's been kept for this race in mind. Um, his owner, Ollie Harris, is a keen stand-down race goer mm. and a supporter of the Tingle Creek, and I think he would love to have a runner in it. Um, so he, he goes there in very good form, and hopefully he's going to get the ground that he's 
best on and looks like it could potentially be heavy ground come Saturday at Sandown. So, so that that's uh, that's the sort of that's the consensus with you guys, is it? Because obviously he's he was running well on good last time. He's won on good, but he's won on heavy. You, he 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 wants he wants a fair bit of cut, does he? Yeah, well, his best performance was in in the heavy at Warwick, and that was heavy that day. Um, it, it was probably his strongest performance. So, yeah, he, he's fine on, on good ground now. I just think he's probably better when he's on on the heavy. Um, so that would be an advantage to him. The softer it is, the better but better chance that we'd have. Um, but it obviously, it's a very strong. It's going to be a small field, but it's going to be a strong strong field. And John Bond looks pretty special in a slower chase didn't he so um, it's, it's not going to be easy but I think he could, he could run his race anyway but the thing is we've been here before with, with horses from the yard who look look as though they've got to step up and then they go and win grade ones over two miles over fences so I mean I'm thinking obviously Editor de G and the like but can he possibly step up to, 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 to that sort of level do you think or or do you feel this horse has really still got to prove himself uh, I think he will step up. I've always had him down as being a potential graded horse. Um, uh, he's he obviously had a setback last year when he was meant to run in the in um, the, um, the race at Warwick. Um, I forget the name of it. How stupid of me! Not the um, not the, the, as a novice, the Kingmaker or no? The Kingmaker, yeah, the Kingmaker. Unfortunately, he went lame literally two days before that, and we just decided to stop with him for the year because it. Sport where it wasn't it was going to be a rush to get him back for a spring festival and it wasn't really wasn't really worth the rush because he is a nice horse and um we, we hope hopeful that's gonna reap its rewards anyway this season but he, he was running a good race at Cheltenham with top weight um he looked like potentially like he was gonna win it's obviously a high four at the last that i think is why he fell because he's a as jumping is a strong point, um, which is why he would be suited by a track like Sandown. It's just an un- unfortunate fall that he got, so um, he's fine since it, um, and he's been training well up until the single creek anyway. So hopefully, he will. This uh, did see I did see a potential thing that he's perhaps better left-handed, which is the, is our only doubt about him running right-handed. Is he he, he is he did seem to jump left when he beat her in Kempton one day mm. um, but you know it's, you can't change the way the race direction of the race course no. we'll have a go anyway um, and, and I mentioned Editor De G where, where, where are we with him at the moment just while we're on this division is he going to come out again so, soon you no know, he, hopefully he will, he'll go for the Desert Orchid okay. um, day after Boxing Day at Kempton all being well um, great um, Goshen fighting fifth Intention, yeah. good. Yeah, he's look. Looks like he's going to have his ground at Sander, which is a big advantage to him. Obviously, he's got to take on Constitution Hill, which is a very tricky thing, isn't it? So, yeah. but look, he, he's Tr- trouble is, Josh. You say that, but if Goshen gets his ground, then we might not see Constitution Hill. So, so there we go. You, well, you might be a double blessing. <laughs> Who knows? Strange things happen, don't they? Yeah. Um, but um, but look, he you know he, he's very well since he ran in the Ascot Hurdle a couple of weeks ago, and this race has been rearranged as if by design for him. Mm. Obviously, I don't think he's quick enough for two miles anymore. But look, he's hopefully going to be heavy ground, and that will help him. 
And Le Patron in the Henry VIII won at the track last time. You're, you're dropping back to the minimum? Yeah, no, he, he's a horse that is in really good form and he's suited by a track like Sandan as, as he won so impressively there um, in the beginning of November. Um, he, he's, he's in very dance very well. We, we just, Look, it's a bit of a bold entry, but it's a kind of sort of an entry where, look, you've got a horse that jumps well like Sandown. We're dropping back in trip, but he's actually been working with some sharper type of horses lately and he's been working well so um it, it, i give him a chance he you know, he's pro- probably going to be a big price on the day but i think he's got course form not course and distance but he has got course form and i think two miles shouldn't he shouldn't put him out of his he should he should have enough speed for it on the potential soft ground mm. obviously it's always good ground down the back straight at Sandown, but it's uh it's a it's a it's an entry that I think's a live one got a proper chance in you know. So. Josh, great stuff. Appreciate your time. Good luck. Okay, thank you. But Hong Kong uh, focus now. First of all, we're going to hear from Maddie Plale and then Jim the Croc McGrath. Great to be joined by Andrea Rizzani at Chartin this morning. Um, Andrea, heading into your first HKIR as a jockey riding here full time. Um, got some great rides on. Sunday's card. We'll talk about them in a moment. But first off, how are you finding settling in? Yeah, no, it's, it's actually going pretty good. Um, I've been here probably about just over three months, and uh, it took a little bit of time to settle in with the time difference and stuff, and uh, to sort of get to know uh, the, you know the track and the trainers. And uh, but no, I got off with a, you know with a quite good start. Um, I had three doubles since I've been here. I rode twelve winners, so it's, so far so good. It's, you can always do better, but I can't complain. Is there anything that's surprised you since you came out here to ride? Uh, one thing I, I must say that this surprised me, I thought I'd up to, to the racing style quicker, uh, the Hong Kong style racing a lot quicker than I would have thought. It's completely quite a dif- you know, big difference between English style, European style of racing to Hong Kong. It's a lot sharper. You know, we, we race, the average races are sort of between 1,000 metres to, to a mile, the old time you run a race over eighteen hundred, sometimes two thousand, but it's as far as you go, and um, so it happens a lot quicker here. Obviously, Happy Valley is very sharp. So one thing I would say, I was actually quite surprised how sort of quickly I adapted to the style of Hong Kong racing. That's good. What about uh, being your own agent here? Because obviously, it's a very different environment and the way you have to. Um, basically source your own rides and, and be a big part of the social scene as well how have you found that yeah obviously i had uh, a guy called roy that the club provided for the first three months uh, he was helping me with my rides which 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 you know that, that you need something like that when you first arrived and obviously now i'm starting to do my own a lot of my own rides and uh, yeah it's, it's it's different because i've never had to do my own rides before i've always had an agent it doesn't matter which part of the world i've been it's i've always had an agent working for me so it's it's a it's different. Obviously, I can look at entries and keep an eye on horses. And one good thing is that I can do pretty much any weight. So if if, if I get an offer a good ride, I can just take it without having to worry what weight he's going to be carrying. Because a lot of the trainers they could book you two, three, four weeks in advance on a horse. And uh, so a lot of the times, some of the jockeys have to look what weight he's going to have before they can confirm. Whether with me, I'm actually quite lucky. My weight is very good. And I can do pretty much any weight. So if a good ride comes along, because as you well know, the group three is here. The group races, apart from group ones, the group threes and group twos are sort of handicaps. So, so you know, you could 
a horse can carry stone three in, in, in a group race, which, which, which I can do. So it works in my advantage sometimes. Um, what sort of character do you think you have to be to succeed in, in Hong Kong? It's known as a sort of cauldron of, of energy and it's a very competitive environment. Yeah, you've got to be mentally quite strong. Uh, it's, it's a very tight system. There's only so many jockeys, there's only so many trainers, there's only so many horses and there's only so many races. So it's, it's a very small environment and uh, I'd say you've got to be mentally strong. And, uh, but apart from that, it's, listen, anywhere in the world it's, it's tough, it's no easy anywhere. But uh, like I said, I, I can't really complain. Let's, let, let's hope it continues. And how are you finding things outside of racing, living in a, a new city, um, a metropolis? It's, it's very different from, say, being based in Newmarket. Yeah, 100%. You've got the good thing about Hong Kong, you've got this city life, obviously, you know, the central where you've got, it could be like living in London, but you've got all the major, you know, places to go, restaurants and things to see, and it's obviously very busy. But also, the, the, the outside of Hong Kong, you've got a lot of, you know, a lot of, trees and the, the sea is actually quite nice and you know some very good hikes and uh, so there's there's a lot to do in Hong Kong uh, sometimes people think of Hong Kong they think of a city a busy city which it is but there, there, there is a lot more to offer what do you get up to when you're not riding uh, it's only twice a week yeah it's true we only race two days a week I, I ride track work most mornings so I'm up early most days and uh, I, I train a lot you know you've got so much time yourself uh, so I keep myself very fit and light as light as I can and uh, yeah I don't know just always sometimes you go to hikes and hang around with the little boys here we sometimes we get together go for lunch or, or spend time with, with friends so uh, I don't like any other sports apart from horse racing a lot of the jockeys play golf and I don't so I might have to get into golf at some stage that's a very jockey thing isn't it playing golf it is yeah I must be the only jockey that doesn't play golf and it doesn't like football <laughs> Okay. Um, and on to Sunday, got some improving horses to ride. Nimble Nimbus in the cup. Yeah, Nimble Nimbus. He 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 obviously ran very well, very well the last day. It's it's a big step up in grade. He's got to improve on ratings quite a bit, but he's a consistent horse. I just hope he runs well. And lucky with you in the sprint. Uh, lucky, lucky with you is the same. On, on ratings, he's got to improve quite a bit. He's a very straightforward horse actually. Um, I want a class two on him. He ran okay the last day. The, the two outside chances it'd be nice to pick up some you know some pieces yeah any others that you want to mention or on the undercard uh, I've got six rides on the card I think I've got I've actually picked up a decent ride with a uh, nice ride for John Size a horse I won run twice he's won, he won the last day and uh, it was actually a nice ride to pick up and uh, yeah I've got six on the day so we have bits and bobs thank you very much Andrew I really appreciate it alright no problem well, here we are. The biggest week in Hong Kong racing kicks off on a balmy night here in Hong Kong with nine races at Happy Valley featuring four legs of the International Jockeys Championship. Twelve elite jockeys from all parts and they are competing for a first prize of £60,000. Tom McQuant, who shared the title with Sylvester D'Souza last year, has several good rides again, but frankly, it's very, very even. There's only one standout on paper, in my opinion. That's Ryan Moore on M Unicorn in race five. This is a horse who's on the upward climb, maybe with a few ratings points up his sleeve. So it's race five, number four, M Unicorn, to beat number three, Snow-A-Lot, who's the mount of Karis Teton, who's won this title a few years ago as well. But I fancy James McDonald, the Sydney-based Kiwi, to take the title. I think flagship warrior will be a good value bet for him. Uh, trainer Casper Founds will have him cherry ripe 
for this uh, seventh race today. So race seven, number two flagship warrior who really impressed first up in Hong Kong when he came from an impossible position at the start to get up and win. He's got a lot of talent, this horse, and I think he's well-placed in this Class 3 1650-metre event. So race seven, number two, flagship warrior to beat number four, Quantum Path. Don't forget later on in race nine, J-Mac rides number six, Helene Feeling, who I think has been aimed at this race specifically. It's a class two race over nine furlongs. So race nine, number six, Helene Feeling. On Sunday, it's the HKIR, the Hong Kong International Races. We're off to Sha Tin track work in the morning to see the three biggest equine names in Hong Kong racing, namely Golden 60, Romantic Warrior and Lucky Swainess as they go through their final gallops. That'll be interesting. But a great week in prospect here. That's all on the Hong Kong beat this week. I'll have more for you next week. Rishi. Uh, Sheen's going hurdling. Who knew? Yeah. Uh, so <laughs> it's funny because the racing post today, it's got David Russell dancing, uh, Sheen Murphy going over hurdles. The world is turning upside down. It could, uh, it could, be, it could, be, it could be April the 1st, couldn't it, really? It could, it could be. It could be the other way around. Yeah. Um, but I, but yeah I, remember, I, I remember when... Uh, it could be. I remember when um, he took out his jump licence when he was coming back and people were saying, is this a real curveball because he's actually going to go and jump some obstacles? And then it, it sort of came to light, oh, no, he just is, is likely to have a ride at the champion bumper that didn't materialise. But I, I never actually thought we would get to this point where he would be you know, having a, having a spin over obstacles. Well, he's always shown an aptitude to uh, do other things on, a, on on horseback. And obviously during the spell that he was on the sidelines, he actually went went away and show jumped. Um, he spends a lot of time uh, with Ollie Townend, uh, who of course is one of the best event riders uh, we've ever seen in, in Great Britain, in the world. Um, they're close friends. And he has obviously shown an aptitude for um, being very good over an obstacle on a horse. The other thing, of course, is his sister has just started working at Wincanton, um, I think, as the general manager. I'm trying to remember off the top of my head. Um, but she's now obviously um, part of the administration at uh, Wincanton. Um, so it's all come together. And I think it's quite it's probably good for him to keep himself active and busy and thinking about challenges all the time and, and doing different things um, for a mind that is as busy as his. Um, and it's quite an exciting element for for race fans race goers so i'm looking forward to it rishi just a tip from you please uh i am going for the unibet london stairs series final handicap series final qualified horses contest at eight o'clock tonight tom what a catchy catchy race title uh duke Rolls of oxford off the tongue. really, just, really does. <laughs> duke of oxford is the only three-year-old in the race uh, and he has Tyler Heard on board taking three pounds after his first ever run over two miles at Kempton last time out provided a narrow win, but he was, he was staying on quite nicely at the end of that race. I think he's given the ages and you, you, most of the horses in the race, if you look through it, enemy sleeping lion, rainbow dreamer, the grand vizier, you know who they are. So Chauvelin, you know, they've been around for a long time. He's up and coming. Um, and actually he's still on a good mark with that, Tyler Heard three pound claim. So Duke of Oxford in the eight o'clock as opposed to the title. I won't say it again. Lovely. Do you have a, a tip for, for Davy? 
dancing or not? I, I'm not. I'm, all I know is uh, when it comes to dancing is once you get past a certain age, um, as a as a, a certainly from my perspective, I think you should only dance when you're absolutely bladdered. Yeah, which is um, which is what I did at your wedding, Rishi. <laughs> that was a pleasure as always. As I say, Charlotte will be back tomorrow. There'll be um, lots of international updates and plenty more, as ever, on this award-winning podcast. Bye-bye. You've been listening to Nick Luck Daily, brought to you in association with Fitzdares, the Racehorse Owners Association, and Thoroughbred Racing Commentary. Mm-hmm.